0: So if you'll turn to 1 John chapter 4. Starting in verse 7, there's a a very important statement made here that we're going to uh, take a careful look at. I'm going to read in uh, chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends... his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. We know that we live in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen and he has given us this command whoever loves God must also love his brother statement that's, rep- that's stated twice here simple words God is love I think we even have a few songs that make that statement um, I'm writing this and I'm even thinking about that song you know, come let us now unite to sing God is love you know we just you just say it wrapped up in that one statement though is something so profound and important that when you get to this john says this is the real difference between light and darkness when you understand this there are some things that follow now he gives us proof of god's love so he makes a statement like that okay that's great god is love of course, you can make a statement like that, and, and really, it just fall flat. Oh, you know, what is God? Well, God is love. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. Let's all just go on our merry way. Let's eat ice cream. God is love. You know, it's just a fantastic thing. God is love. Here's some flowers. God is love. Isn't that nice? Okay, he says, "Wait a second. Wait a second. This love is more than just a happy thought. Uh, this love is more than just a sweet little cartoon or um, you know, some sort of Valentine's Day thought." This love is meaningful. He says, first of all, we know this because because God sent his son. So God showed us love. God demonstrated love. He showed his care, his concern, his interest in our well-being, the seriousness of the relationship. And I think, too, that if God sends his son, then he thinks that it's, it's worth it to send his son to restore this relationship. This relationship means something. He says, and God loved us not because um, we convinced God to love us or we showed God that we were lovable. He says, we're impressed by the fact that God loved us first. Paul picks that same thought up in Romans when he says that uh, God loved us. Not when we became lovable. Not when we got our lives sorted out. Not when we straightened up and proved to God that we were worth loving. He says God loved us while we were still sinners. And so it amazes me sometimes that we still have these ideas, you know, among us, but also the people. I mean, I can understand it when we're trying to reach people who don't yet understand God's love. And you're going to encounter this. People are going to say, oh, you know, I don't think I can come to church. I don't know that I can follow God. Why? Well, because of all the things I've done, I'm sure God must be very, very angry with me. And the first thing they've got to know is, okay, first of all, you need to understand that you are are created in the image of God, and God loves you. People have got to understand that. Well, yeah, preacher, but if you go around telling everybody God loves them, they're just going to sin. They're already sinning. They don't need me to give them permission to sin. That's the whole, you and I are sinning, okay? There's sin. The way to overcome that is to help people understand, okay, look, God is on your side. Now that love means something, and it can change where you're at. The power to overcome the sin that destroys lives is the power of God's love. That's why he sent his son. The other proof that he mentions here of of God's love, uh, the other proof that John mentions, is that you see God sacrificing that we might be saved. As we come to understand love, it involves sacrifice. If you love people, you sacrifice. It's not just our loved ones that we sacrifice for, but... But love enters into the world when all of us sacrifice. By the way, let me just mention a truth. David and I used to talk about this stuff, you know, still do, but... I, I can say this to this group here, you know, we're, we're, the, we're the core, okay? We're the, you know how messy it's going to be if we start reaching out to people who don't know God? I mean, I'm not just talking about poor people, okay? I'm talking about people who just do not know God. I mean, they won't understand things the way we think is common. There will be some confusion. There will be some worry. There will be some sensitivities. But if we're going to do that, that means we're going to have to sacrifice. Hmm. Oh, now that's all fine and dandy when you're talking about God sacrificing his son, but when I have to sacrifice, well, I don't know of any other way to put it because right there at the core of the gospel, I mean, embedded in the gospel story is a message about sacrifice. It's not just missionaries to other countries who sacrifice. They sacrifice the comforts of home. Hey, sometimes those comforts of home are just false idols. But you and I are missionaries in our own country. You and I are missionaries in our own city. What are we sacrificing? How, is our, how are our lives sacrificial to demonstrate love for others? You know, well, it's going to get messy. Not only is it going to get messy, sometimes it's going to get hard. I remember a few years ago watching the. Um, uh, the Bulgarian church reach out to people uh, in their community. And one of the things about Bulgarian society is is that there are, there are hatreds in that society that are deep-seated. We're not, we're not just talking about uh, uh, tensions or conflicts. These are hatreds, serious hatreds of one group over another. And it's embedded. It's cultural. It goes back... Of centuries. And sometimes the Christians there have to make sacrifices to overcome those hatreds. That they resist what is in their natural tendency to not trust this group or not show any sort of kindness at all to another group. One of those groups that they hate very much is. Um, over there in that society are are the gypsies. Now you know, for us or the Roma they're called. You know, for us that's, you know gypsies that's what you dress up like on Halloween. You know, I mean that we're it's all kind of tame. You know, they they uh, you know they got the bandana and the earring in their and they play the violin. You know, oh it's a gypsy. Okay, the, the, over there gypsies are feared, hated, uh, despised, looked down upon. Um, and, uh, and I won't say it's with a good reason because there's no good reason for hate for, of anybody, okay? You know, oh, there's good reason. No, there's no good reason to hate. We're talking about love. God is love. Okay, so th- there's a man over there that we work with who's a Christian, and I was asking him, he's about my age, and I said, you grew up under communism, you are a Christian. That doesn't compute to me that you grew up under atheism and now you are a Christian. What was it that shifted for you He said, I was always taught as a child, be kind to the gypsies. But when I went to church, you know, and he he interpreted that as, just don't be mean to people, don't be hateful, don't be nasty. Other than that, he wasn't showing them any other concern, any more concern than he would show an animal, you know. (laughs) Be kind to animals, you know, Don't, don't mistreat them. But he said when he went into the church, they acted like brothers and sisters. They loved one another. Now you think about the sacrifices that are being made in that culture for that to happen. And yet I think the day's coming, you know, and it has already come and it has already been a part of our society here. I mean, we don't often notice... The, the hatreds and the, the the prejudices and the tensions some of this now we're seeing it on the news and we're like what is all of this and, and watch yourself because sometimes we'll just say stuff we'll just be like you know well all people like that are like this and all people like that are like this and this is all that group's fault and this is all that group's fault and the reason we do that is not because we're nasty hateful rotten people it's because if you can do that guess what it just helps you deal with the facts in the world and and you can just simplify everything yep this is all that group's fault boom and and you can move on because you and i were not meant to be subjected to all of that constantly and we've got to find some sort of way to resolve this but i'm going to tell you what they're offering on the television is not the way Because what they want is, they want you to never really quite be satisfied, so you keep buying their product, which is what? Worry, fear, worry, fear. And what did he just say about fear? Love casts out fear. Okay, these are the proofs of God's love that he mentions. So if love, and then he also mentions that love comes from God. You notice that in verse, um, I'll find it, I just got to see it, Uh, the... uh, Verse 7, dear friends, let us love one another because love comes from God. So God is love, but also love comes from God. So then he, then he mentions three situations that, that if love comes from God and if we love, then that's showing a connection that we have. With God. This is very similar to the teaching of Christ in the Gospel of John where he says, uh, you know, I am the vine and you are the branches. Remain in me and I will remain in you. And there's a lot of language in this chapter about his love being in us and us living in him. And there's, and there's this, this close unity. There's this abiding. We've talked about that uh, in these lessons before. So he says, if we love, then we're born of God. If we love, then we know god and so this this is almost like that mathematical stuff you know if this if this but if not this then so it follows logically but if we do not love then we don't know god now think about how profound that is so simple and yet so profound the inability to love the 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 resistance or the reluctance to love you know what what my friend martin saw in bulgaria was he had heard be kind to people but in the church he saw something very different something very brave the ability to love when there was probably a lot of reason a lot of um you know natural tendency to hate so you can't say that you love god and you know god and you're born of god if you do still embrace Hatred. If we do not love, we do not know God. Well, why? Because God is love. And here you see the the distinction, the light and the darkness. John has drawn a definite, sharp line between the two. There is light. There is darkness. When you read John's gospel, there are no gray areas it's it's love it's hate on one side it's light it's dark on the other side you obey god you follow god you're born of god or you're born of the evil one he's making it that distinct and he's also making it very clear he says here's how we know who the ones are that love god and know god he says we can have and and by the way did you notice this is the part i love um Verse 17, in 16 he starts out, God is love. So whoever lives in his love lives in God and God in him. So on one side, you've got God, you've got love, you've got that life with God, in God, close to God. And in this way, love is made complete or perfect among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we're like him. Confidence on the day of judgment. When is the last time you've heard about having confidence on the day of judgment? Too often the day of judgment has been used as a tool of uncertainty. Now, John says you either know or you don't. you you know there's light there's darkness you there's no guesswork and and all i'm saying is i'm not saying that it's not you know that we oh you know everybody's going to be fine on the day of judgment that's not the message here he says you can know and once you do know, though, I mean, none of us, we, want, we don't want to act arrogant. I've told you this story before where shortly after I was baptized, the street preacher was asking everyone, you know, are you saved? Are you saved? He got to me. and he, Are you saved? And I was like, well, I, I hope so. I guess so. And he goes, no, you got to know. And I was like, oh, man. You know, I mean, I didn't want to be arrogant. I didn't want to be big stuff. Plus, everybody told me, well, you never know what's going to happen. This is the thing you should know. Of all other things, you should know. And our confidence is not in ourselves. Our confidence is in the love of God. Now, if we can't speak to that confidence, then what message do we have for a world that needs to know about God's love? Since the message is that we will live in God, God lives in us, Notice that we have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. What he's saying is the day of judgment is not some sort of um, surprise, okay? You know, they started up Survivor again this week. You know the show, right? Boat you off the island. Are are any of you fans of that show? That's great. I'm not. Anyway, because... (laughs) oh my wife likes it I can't stand it oh she can't stand it you know (laughs) people are like oh you know you'd be good you ought to go on the show and I'm thinking you know what what those people call surviving most people in the world call life and uh you know I'd love now I'd watch that show if they would take a bunch of people who live on those islands and they'd put them up against another tribe and they'd be like what's the big deal and uh I'd, I'd I'd like to see that but you know, you always got to vote somebody out, and sometimes you know who it is, sometimes you don't know, but they got to go to the little trial, they got to go to the little council, and they got their flaming torches, and it's like, you're out. And I think sometimes we picture the day of judgment that way. We get up there, and we don't really know, you know, I don't know, you know, and you're like, oh no, wait, you know, God, I did everything. "Uh, That's too bad. He pulls the lever, the trap door opens, and down we go. This is not the message of 1 John. The message of 1 John is we're like him in this world. He says there's a consistency. Now, that doesn't mean that, that, you know, we... Do I have to explain it? None of this means being overconfident or being glib or or being casual about the day of judgment. It's about being redeemed, transformed, um, living in God's love... Even now, we're not just sitting around. Sometimes we turn Christianity into, a, um, into kind of a, a, a bus station before the Day of Judgment. You know, if you ever see people in a bus station, you know that they're all going somewhere, and nobody really cares to talk to each other. They're just like it's just a bunch of lonely souls sitting around in a bus station looking around at each other. I hope that's not what we are. But we're people, we know where we're heading, we know where we're going, we know that God's going to get us there, we know that God has brought us there, and so we're, we're just encouraged enough to drag others along, to bring others along, to invite others to come along, because we know the one who's taking us there. We know God, we're born of God, we know that others can be born of God. It's okay to have that kind of enthusiasm, because God is love. One of the ways that we'll demonstrate that, John is saying throughout this, uh, well, throughout this whole book, but in this chapter, is that one of the ways that you'll recognize that is that we love one another. So you can't hate others and then say, you know God. He says that's inconsistent. But the love of God in us is demonstrated by the way that that love is demonstrated towards others, towards one another. Even, well, now, you. somebody says, you know, but wait, sometimes we're not a very lovable people. That's right. And if you've had to love somebody who's unlovable, then you know how God feels. Just a little bit of how God feels. So all of the trials that we have with love, like, oh, it's very hard. God's been there. God's already there. That's how he's trying to change things uh three things he mentions about us loving one another and why it's significant he says that we're born of god we're children of god loving one another then becomes a family trait you know you 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 can recognize families they they have some sort of uh you know common traits or something in common well i remember once with my family we um we went to a restaurant. This is a long time. I mean, this is like my, my parents and my sister, and so we're going out to eat, and that was a big deal in my family if we went out to eat. I mean, that, was, that didn't happen, you know, every week, every Wednesday or Sunday. I, I, that, that, that was rare, and um, in walks his family with about five kids. The guy, you know, is real tall. He's kind of a string bean, you know, and he's got dark hair and everything, and, In comes the wife, you know, she's a little shorter, and she's got the brightest shock of blonde hair you've ever seen. And she's got big old thick glasses on, you know. I I It's just the way she looks. I mean, it's obvious, very distinctive look, okay? And so she's kind of short and kind of round. In comes five kids. Every single one of them has a shock of blonde hair, big glasses. They look just like the mom. And then the last one has black hair and is real tall and skinny. And I think, you know, my mom or dad said something like, you know, well, it's good to know that he got credit for one of them. So, you know, it's, it's uh, <laughs> family traits, you know, family traits. You can recognize people. And that was just so distinctive. It's just one of those funny moments that God gives you where it's like, boy, those people, they all do look alike. You know, there'd be no doubting who, who, who that family belongs to. Family traits. Well, the family trait of the people of God ought to be love. The man who taught me more Spanish than anybody else is a fellow named Daniel, and he's from Spain. And, you know, my heart broke the day that he told me that he didn't believe in God. And the reason why, because, you know, he, he, well, anyway, but the reason why, I was asking him, I said, why? Tell me why this is. And he says, because I see these people who claim to be God's children, and they hate each other. Well, I can understand why he feels the way he does. I'm not just talking about different brand names of churches on street corners like we've got here, you know. I mean, we've got us and we've got the folks up the street and, you know, there's some differences. But we're all basically Bible Belt Christian, you know, there's some differences. I'm talking about people who have been literally at war with each other. Catholics and Protestants, remember this is Europe this is the old country this is the, he has seen this, he's witnessed this and he's witnessed the damage that it does to society so he's saying the problem here is, is that the ones who claim to be God's children don't look like their father it's very important that we have this family trait if we claim to be his children John talks a lot about not you know, seeing God, that no one has ever seen God. He, he brings that up a couple of times in here that, you know, and he says, how can you claim to love God who you haven't seen when you hate your brother or sister who's right there in front of your face? He says, this is how God's love is made complete in us you really begin to see it i I think this is now think about it. if god is an unseen god he's unseen visibly he's not just some being some entity that we can go walk up to there he is and he has shape and substance it doesn't mean that god's not real Uh, reality is not defined by those things that's philosophical stuff we won't get into that the way that people like my friend Daniel and and others and people that you and I know right here in this town are going to see the face of God is if they see it in the love that we have for one another and in the love that we have for them. That's going to represent God. Why? Because God is love. And finally, he talks about this love of God. He says something very astounding in here that I'm still trying to get my head wrapped around. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Now, I know that there is a fear of God that is mentioned in Scripture. And I'm just going to throw in the towel right now and say I'm still struggling to reconcile what the rest of Scripture says about the fear of God and then what this verse says right here. And I'll tell you why. Because it's too too simple, and I've done this. It's too simple to just say, oh, well, fear of God, that just means respect of God. Okay. Look, I respect a lot of people. I'm not afraid of them. And I'm afraid of a lot of things, and I don't necessarily respect it. Okay. Oh. I don't, not the same way, not the way I tend to use respect, you know. I mean, uh, if I got a, I'm not really afraid of snakes, what am I afraid, Uh, the, uh, let's just use a snake, you know, I mean, it's like, so you got a snake there, what You know. I don't necessarily respect that thing, you know, I've gotten in trouble for killing snakes, you know god told peter kill and eat you know i just left out the eat part all right so you know the uh it it, it, that's not respect you know fear you know so yeah there might be something going on there with the words but we're talking about the way that we relate to god and i think john is trying to say something here i know that you know Uh, abraham is described as a man who fears god you know we've got other mentions of you know living you know the knowing the fear of god and fear god and keep his commandments i know all that i've read the bible and i know and, and i think those mean something but i think john has put something into the conversation here to say that if the way we understand the fear of god is a cringing debilitating terror then that's that's not all that's not love notice that john said fear whatever fear he's talking about here fear has to do with what punishment imagine a child two children imagine two children child a is asked to do something by his parents and he'll do it because he doesn't want to get punished. Well, the work is done. He still does what he's supposed to do. Child B does something because he loves his parents. The work is done. The result looks the same. But there's a different relationship there, isn't there? The child Trying to, sim- trying to avoid punishment has a different relationship with its parents than the child who loves its parents. And that's a very simplified little, you know, scenario there. But I want you to think about what that means for us as Christians and what that means for us as churches. Have you ever known churches that follow God because they just don't want Him to send them to hell? One of the things that I do is... Um, when we do a baptism you know not not on Sundays but during you know one of those off hours baptisms you know the one and uh you know we do those and I started this down in Texas and and I'd get people together you know for the baptism people who were influential usually it was a young person and I'd say you know let's let's bless this young person let's just kind of go around the circle here and everybody mentioned why you know why why you you were baptized tell them about your baptism. Well, on one of these occasions, I had a pretty good group, and I thought, this will be interesting. You know, we'll get some real different answers here. Every single one of them of different ages go, well, I I was a young person. I got scared to death, and I thought, I want to get baptized because I don't want to go to hell. That story just kept repeating itself, and, you know, they were all talking about summer camp. I'm like, where are y'all going to summer camp? Y'all going to that place where friday the 13th you know the guy with the hockey mask i mean what is going on you know oh fear of god i don't you know i didn't want to go to hell and and that was i was thinking okay look there's some truth in that yes but is that all i think john's put us on to something here fear avoids punishment but love makes discipleship complete It takes it to a new level. You've got to. He says you've got to grow up past fear at some point. Uh, Love is made complete in us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment, because in this world we're just like him. There's no fear in love. At some point, we've got to grow up and get past just a fear. Um, If God's authority is based simply in the fact that he can destroy us then we don't understand what he's also trying to do with our life now again god has you know jesus said don't fear those who can destroy your body fear those who can just fear the one who can destroy body and soul so there's some truth in that too but that's a lesson for another time when we get to that text meanwhile i think john is continuing the conversation here to help us understand you know what we got to say something about love. Okay, so that that makes me think about something that I saw this week, and maybe you've seen this guy. Have you seen the free hugs guy? You know, he's starting to show up a lot, and some of his stuff has been politicized because he went to a Bernie Sanders rally, and he went to a Donald Trump rally, and you know, one group treated him different than another. That's, you know, that might be more of where he went, you know, because one of them he's in California, and the other one I think he's in Ohio or something. Well, yeah, different cultures. The point is, though, he started this, this project. He's this young athlete. He's a motivational speaker. You know, he, um, um, <clears throat> he started this project after the Boston Marathon uh, bombing. And so a year later, he did this to be a source of encouragement. Now, in the uh, protests that were going on in Charlotte, he showed up, and he had some video. I posted this on my Facebook. I'm warning you, there's rough stuff in that, okay? But that's, that's what it is but I just found it compelling. I mention it because I'm keeping my eye on this guy because I found it compelling that his point <coughs> to everyone involved was that more hatred and more violence is not going to get us out of this mess, that we're going to have to figure out how to practice love. I pay attention to things like that because I'm thinking, ah, that's, that's where we, we need to be. We need to be out there giving witness to that and saying, oh, we know this one. We know how this one goes. We understand this. Why? Because we have a message. We've, that's what it means to be witnesses, to put names on stuff like that. I don't know anything about his religious beliefs or where I don't know anything about him other than he's the guy that wears the free hug shirt and he comes out there and he's talking about love. Okay, that's all I know. But when that kind of stuff is going on in our society, we ought to pay attention to that because we're the children of God. We know God. God is love. So when people are talking about love, we can say, "I know love. I, I, I know. I know who love is. I know what love is. It's God." And then we. But now here's the here's the challenge: if you're gonna if you're gonna walk the walk, or if you're gonna talk the talk, you've got to walk the walk. And if you're gonna walk the walk, you've also got to talk the talk. Okay, but you know. Uh, Tonight, uh, I hope these words encourage you to think about your relationship with God. And, um, you know, whatever is happening, what I want all of you to know is that whatever you might be facing, God loves you. Even if there's something that you need to repent of, God loves you. And we need to keep that in mind, as we sing this song, uh, those of you who want to partake of communion, it's in room 100, and after this song, Lee Peters will send us out in prayer let's stand, let's sing. I. Want-